Welcome to the show. Today I have a bonus episode for you where I'm going to talk about the Oscar Museum and I'm going to tell you what I saw, what my reaction was, what I thought they could do better, and by the end of it, hopefully you can tell for yourself if you want to pay the price of admission. Okay, the museum is in the heart of LA. It's at Fairfax and Wilshire, or Wilshire if you are a fancy pants. Parking was 18 bucks in the underground structure on 6th Street, and the cost per ticket is $25, and you need proof of vaccination, which I was happy to see. Um, if you are voting for Trump in 2024, they will also let you in with a negative PCR test. Okay, upon walking onto the property, it was very organized, very organized. Everyone was very polite and eager to help. It felt like they all had the Disneyland training, which was nice. And the museum itself is very upscale, modern, has like a, a Vogue feel to it, if you will. And on the main floor, we started by going into the Spielberg Family Gallery, which is, you know, of course, you want to start your tour with the Spielberg thing. And so we went into this room, which was actually pretty small. It was, I don't know, like a living room size. And they had um, probably 10 TVs that were front and back. So on one side was one movie on, on the other side was another movie clip and they're just rotating through movie clips. And then the sound was being highlighted by one of the TVs at a time. And so you're supposed to sit on these chairs and rotate and, you know, change from anyways, it was kind of a mess. And we left rather quickly from that room. After that, we headed up to the top floor terrace, which is above the big Death Star looking sphere theater. And I gotta say that was one of the highlights is going up there. The view is amazing. It faces the Hollywood Hills. You can see the Hollywood sign. Definitely they're gonna have some parties up there for sure. And they welcome you to, you know, take a seat and just enjoy the view. There was plenty of chairs and standing space to hang out up there. After that, we headed down to the second floor. Two out of the five floors are dedicated to what they call stories of cinema. And it's kind of just a mashup of categories. There are costumes, wigs, old wooden cameras. There are scripts with annotations written by the filmmakers. Um, there are some rooms dedicated to specific films like The Wizard of Oz, where they have um, The Crown Jewel, which is, of course, one of the maybe three pairs of ruby slippers that are in existence. Some rooms are dedicated to specific camera techniques. For example, they were doing a showcase on the Steadicam. Overall, there's no real through line through the entire museum, which was a little disappointing because films tell stories that have a beginning, middle, and end. So why wouldn't this museum reflect that and have you know some kind of structure to it? It's kind of all over the place. You choose whatever floor you want to start at and choose your own adventure, really. There was a really cool Spike Lee exhibit. They have his Mookie uniform from Do the Right Thing. They have his handwritten Oscar acceptance speech. And they also have his personal movie poster collection, which aren't like some, you know, regular movie posters. Some of them were giant, like four or five feet tall. And they're actually all signed by the filmmakers who made those films. So like there is a Star Wars poster that was signed by George Lucas, one of Jurassic Park with Spielberg. And there's all these like little handwritten notes to Spike Lee. And I was just like kind of blown away by that, that there's this network or camaraderie between all of these um, directors, which I never knew existed. There's also um, a room dedicated to hand-drawn animation and stop animation. If you're into The Nightmare Before Christmas, you can see all the little different heads that they used for Jack Skellington. And there is a room, of course, dedicated to the Oscar Awards. 
They had about 10 statuettes from past winners behind glass that you can see really up close. And they had some outfits worn by the stars on the red carpet. And they had booklets or pamphlets going back to the original award show that were given out to the attendees. The highlight for me was seeing the wardrobe and the costumes from different films that we all love. I remember walking into one of the costume rooms, which is huge and dark, and there was just like an army of costumes and figures all facing you. And I definitely remember letting out a Keanu Reeves like, whoa, when I saw a character from Star Wars at the front of the room. Some of the other costumes you can see is the final dress worn in Midsommar. Uh, there's a spacesuit from Interstellar, Edward Scissorhands' black outfit, Russell Crowe's gladiator armor, and Bruce Lee's gi, the blue one, and a whole bunch more. So your admission ticket is $25, but if you want to, you can buy a $15 add-on, which is called the Oscar Experience, which I did not do, but I've seen that it's something where you like you go into this gold room where it looks like you're on the Kodak, or sorry, the Dolby stage, and they have some video projection of an actual audience with the stars from a past Oscar show, you know, in the Dolby theater, in the red seats that, you know, create the effect like you're on stage. Someone calls out your name, and they hand you a real Oscar statuette, and you get to say your acceptance speech into the mic. I don't know if you get pictures or video, um, but hey, maybe I'll do it next time, because... I did go ahead and buy a one-year membership for $100. And what was cool is that they took off the cost of the membership from my tickets that I bought for the day. So uh, we bought two tickets and they took off 50 bucks off of the $100 membership. So I can go back anytime I want to uh, within a year for free. And I'm probably going to go back mostly to go to member-only screenings. They're currently showing films in a series called Sound Off, where everything but the soundtrack is off. And so they're really highlighting the, the scores, the music, and it's all done by women composers. So I will probably go back and do that soon. One thing I want to mention is that they have a few rooms that are like those standard museum mini theaters where you randomly walk into uh, one of these rooms and watch whatever video is currently playing on loop. And if you're lucky enough, you get to sit on one of those uncomfortable stools. So there's, there's a few of those, but there was one that I really liked, which was showing a scene from an Indiana Jones film. And um, they're really showcasing how a scene is put together in post-production. So the film was, the scene was silent, except for the person that was doing the Foley, which is where like someone's holding shoes in their hands in a, in a soundstage and they have gravel on the ground and they're trying to match the footsteps of Harrison Ford as they walk these shoes across the gravel. So they do that through one pass of the scene and then the next viewing of the scene they replay it and this time it's someone doing the sound effects like where they have um, spaghetti and they're breaking it in half next to a microphone to create the sound of Indy's whip and then they'll play the scene again but they'll just highlight the the soundtrack that is playing and then they'll play the whole thing all together with all three tracks put together. And you're like, oh, wow, filmmaking is really hard and intricate. And um, I really appreciate just seeing all that put together. It's really well done and easy to understand at the same time. On the fourth floor, they dedicate that to a rotating exhibit, which was currently um, showcasing the animator Miyazaki. Um, there was a line outside of the room, which was not organized at all and about 30 people long. And I'm not sure what was going on, but we decided to skip it for now. 
I also wanted to point out that there is a decent sized restaurant on the main floor, as well as a small place to get snacks and, and drinks and things. So here are a few things I would have liked to seen at the museum. Um, for me personally, when I watch the Oscar awards, I love watching the four or five minute montage that someone makes every year that is just like the best moments from the best films set to amazing soundtracks. And I felt like there should have been a place where that's the first thing that you do in this museum is like there's a kickoff, a viewing of some type of montage like that. Are there rights issues and things? Probably, but go figure that out. You're the Oscars. Another big problem that I had is that they have two theaters and you know, the one of them is the big giant Death Star one where it's all red seats, red floor, red carpet, red walls, red ceiling, red everywhere. It looks amazing in pictures and you can't go in there. You can't see anything. You can't see a film or a, or a segment of a film. Like It's just blocked off. You can't get close to it. Not sure what's up with that. So my final rating for the museum is probably going to be 3.5 out of 5. As a film fanatic, I was a little underwhelmed, um, but I think for the average movie lover, this is probably going to hit the sweet spot for you and be a great two-hour museum where you can see it all um, in two hours, you know, plus or minus a half hour. And um, I would love to hear what you guys think about it. To find out more details and get tickets, you can head over to academymuseum.org. Why is it not oscarmuseum.org? I don't know. It's a little off-brand there, Oscar. Lastly, here's some movie trivia for you. In the museum, there is a prop from Citizen Kane. It is the wooden sled, which gets um, burned in the end of the film. And they made three for the film, and two of them were burned in the process, and the third survived. But who owns that final sled? 